0: This is shockkaart speak hey welcome to Shock Awardspeak. as always I'm Gareth Blackwell with your co-host
1: Ryan Lotario. Are you sure you're dr Blackwell uh I, I am how can we know
0: <laughs> i mean uh I'm, I'm not I'm not entirely sure um <laughs> it's a little earlier this morning so i'm not I'm not totally with it um but uh, last time I checked at least when I went to sleep, yeah, I was dr Blackwell yes um that's about all Sad I that no one can page you,
1: paging Dr. Blackwell. I know. I, I
0: know.
1: And I, I carry this pager around for no yeah. reason, apparently. I, you're like the only guy I know that still carries a pager.
0: Well, yeah. and it's, I don't even know
1: if most people know what those are.
0: I mean, I've got a fancy pager, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not, you know, so I've got my everyday pager. I've got my fancy pager. Yeah.
1: Um, well, what's crazy is you have that whole Chewbacca swath thing you wear over your shoulder. It's like all pagers instead of Chewbacca bullets. Yeah. That's pretty wild. I mean, I... I've
0: been trying to get this thing off the ground for a while. Yeah. But the pager bandolier is very much.
1: Yeah. I'm like,
0: uh, I think it's, you know, hey, if
1: we it's got a, investors out there. The this. pager bandolier was actually your nickname in high school. So that.
0: <laughs> I don't even know how I got that nickname either.
1: <laughs> Man, uh, I
0: didn't even get the pager still after hey, high
1: school. Hey, where did the times go, dude? I know, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> totally just, uh, and it's just, yeah, it's amazing. So um, what, are we, what are we talking about today, pager well, bandoliers? We're talking about pager bandoliers. All right, let's oh. do it. <laughs> No, but, uh, kind of in the same, we're completely related, <laughs> completely related, transitioning uh, transitioning very quickly.
1: We're actually talking about imagination. Yeah. We're going to rethink imagination. Heck yeah. Imagine, imagine with me, if you will. <laughs> yeah. In, in a world. <laughs> in a world. Um, yeah. Which, you know,
0: you, you brought this up the other day. Um, and it, it feels like a no brainer, um, mm-hmm. because this is another one of those, um, those terms that if you were to just kind of stand out on the street with a microphone, stop people and say, hey, you tell me what imagination is.
1: They'd say, well, you, you know, it's, well, you know. Yeah, I, I think you get like the, uh, when you, you think imagination, you get, um, you get images in your mind um, of like uh, <clears throat> up. Right, right. Yeah. With balloons and a house flying through the sky. Like it, yeah. It, you yeah. get like uh, like nineteen seventies like sci fi movies, mm-hmm. right? Where yeah, it's, or it's just like, Disney, yeah, just Disney just Disney. Theory. You know, you say imagination, and you know we're gonna, you know, this there's a this is gonna kind of be a rethink two parter. So we'll have rethink imagination, and then uh we'll be following up with rethink innovation. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times those two are used almost as synonyms without meaning to be. Yeah, yeah. They're like they're they're tightly associated as a, a kind of a they point to something really, really um, elusive and hard to pin down Mm -hmm. that's associated heavily with like uh, stuff that's not, um, uh, it's like it almost has to be wedded to something that is not normative or uh, commonplace. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in a world that's proliferated with images, it's harder to, you know, find that. And so it becomes more extreme. Or, yeah, or yeah. it becomes more sentimentalized, you know? So it's mm-hmm. like imagination. It's like the, like you were saying, like, it's like the old popular mechanic, mm-hmm. uh, I love those images, but we, yeah, we yeah. have, so it's to say that imagination is like a bucket and we only have certain concepts associated with imagination in that bucket mm-hmm. on, on the reflex. Yeah. You yeah. know, like in a reflexive way. And I think, yeah. Uh, that the fact that they're, they're concepts, there's nothing really concrete
0: with it. Yeah. Right. So, um, if um so imagination is something that like, oh, it can be taught to like kids, but like you kind of grow out of it. That's you know? exactly right. Unless yeah. you're uh unless it's like a very specific thing because it's just so whimsical. Yeah. You know, it's, it's whimsical. A, it's it's so, eccentric. It's eccentric. And uh, you know, all of those are are ways that we can uh kind of push it off and say uh, unnecessary.
1: Yeah. Unimportant. Yeah, yeah unimportant, um, secondary, tertiary, um, and uh in almost like an excess or a mm-hmm. You know, you might even say a little bit of imagination, like the the notion of imagination, uh, popularly kind of considered it, it, which means it's not really considered that much because, like, it's like you said, it's like, it's like more tied to, it's like uh, if you're successful and you've grown, if you are, uh, and I don't mean like financially successful, I just mean like if you grow up, yeah, you've successfully grown out of the need for imagination. But here's the interesting thing, because of the way it's kind of like. Um, intuitively understood, um, then there are people, and I'm not saying this in a judgy way uh, because, you know, I've got some action figures sitting behind my desk, Mm -hmm. but um, then you get the kind of person who holds on to like, they become an adult who holds on to like toys and things like that. Mm -hmm. And they're holding on to that same notion of imagination. Yeah. That is being rejected by the other person, so they've created a dilemma between the person who's like, "Well, when you grow up, you have to let go of this and but this is some things, but not everything yeah and so then the the person who wants to hold imagination right. feels like they have to hold on to those things right does that, does that, make no, like, that makes sense that makes total sense because yeah, yeah. if we if we relegate imagination to just a childish thing, yeah. just
0: a you know a, a fanciful thing then then anybody who holds onto that is going to have to exhibit some sort of form of arrested development. Yes. They're just going to have to. Yeah. They'll be like, oh, well, you know, they've, they've held to their childlike wonder. Yeah. And it's like, uh, maybe that shouldn't be, maybe that should be more normalized. Yeah. 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 And yeah. maybe,
1: maybe childhood wonder is more serious than we're, we're treating it with children. That's real. So then we have to rethink what we even mean by the importance of, of, and the value of ima- of our, you know, imagination. So, yeah, you know, like yeah this this whole thing is like this is why I think um it's just worth sitting on an episode and rethinking especially coming on the, on the heels on the heels of um rethinking the world because I, you know I would say that because there's um if we could like make an uh an enjoinder like some kind of mm-hmm. we imagination has something to do with the world uh, having been what it is, being mm-hmm. what it is, and um like having been in and being and the sort of phenomenological experiential aspect of the world. All of that together is what we observe um, and experience. So we experience it. We observe ourselves experiencing and we see it and um, we image it. And uh, that sets like a kind of like a launch pad up for, for Mm -hmm. imagination. Oh,
0: totally. Yeah. Yeah. Launch pad is, uh, I'm sorry. Launch pad is a great way to say it. I think because when we, when we talk about imagination, it's always grounded in reality, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, at, at first listen, if you just have a, a cursory knowledge of kind of uh, creative practice or any of the things we're talking about, um, you might balk at that and say, well, that doesn't make any sense because mm-hmm. imagination's supposed to be like things you've never even conceived of before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one of the the key parts of imagination, like you're talking about, is that it's possible.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has to be possible. and So I think we should do, so there's two things. Mm -hmm. There is the, um, when we say someone is highly imaginative. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, So there's that uh, bucket, that category. And so like we should go, we'll go to that second, I think. And let's go backwards Mm -hmm. and just in like acknowledge like uh, imagination is like part and parcel to being a human being. Oh, 100%. So I think we forget that. So like, I mean, I think that's to your point earlier about the childish things. And it's like, um, so um, every occasion that your mind and your eyes are awake, uh, you're imagining. That's real. Because you're, 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 um, you're working with what you can see. Mm-hmm. So like if I get up in the morning and I step out, if I, if I open my eyes, Um, and it could be like nanoseconds, but Mm -hmm. if I open my eyes up, um, it requires, um, a couple of things. It requires a certain amount of faith. Mm -hmm. So faith as in, um, you know, the way I would say it is faith is not an irrational hunch. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not a, a blind leap without evidence or experience. So, um, because that also has a historic influence on, uh, imagination. um it's not blind it's not uh, irrational it is predicated on that which is noble or or um is it's acting on the knowledge of that which is true mm-hmm. so so when you get up in the morning let's say and you put your feet on the ground you have to imagine the ground's there to put your feet there oh yeah um a little bit because you don't look at the ground to acquaint yourself with it mm-hmm. to ensure that it's there necessarily like you're not you're already kind of like Think about it. A lot of times when you wake up, you've al- you're already seeing a few steps into your own uh, actions. I'm going to mm-hmm. go make coffee, hop in the shower. Yeah. Um, and I know at 8.30, I got a class to teach, mm-hmm. and I got these three students I need to talk to. And before you know it, you've, you haven't seen any of that. <laughs> you yeah. didn't experience it. You imagined it. What did you base it on? That which you actually previously experienced and know, and then it becomes reasonable to envision Uh, to imagine uh, that that's the case. So, um, and then you act in faith Mm -hmm. uh, for that, which is the knowledge you have of that, which is true. Mm -hmm. So I know that grounds are grounds and I know that, you know, plumbing is plumbing and I know that showers are showers and it's reasonable to believe that all of these things are going to persist. And if they don't, then I call on a specialist to fix it. Yeah. So like we have a normative state of imagining you hop in the car Mm -hmm. um, and there's a detour. You start. I mean, you're 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 already imagining through the whole of your day. Like you 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 can't exist without your imagination, right? So I guess I mean I want to like really camp on that a little bit, just to really parse out and activate an awareness of how much our imagination is employed. Yeah, because it's not just for Walt Disney and you know um, certain films that are animations. You know, like Wally, or it's not. It's, those are imaginative in an incredible way, but um, you don't get there without, without recognizing how pervasive our uh, experience of using our imagination is, how mm-hmm. commonplace and ordinary it is, how, how part and parcel it is to being human. If you miss that, then you, then you do the bifurcation thing. Imagination is for kids. Imagination is for creative types. Uh-huh. And then you've already relegated two aspects of yourself that no matter who you are, are um, fundamentally the case with you. You are creative, mm-hmm. and you do have an imagination, and you are using it. And, and you, to, to even listen to this podcast requires imagination. Yeah, you can't see us. You can't see us. So you have to imagine the, the meaning of the words mm-hmm. as they're being spoken. Yeah. I mean, you, so if you start to say, where where is my imagination not active mm-hmm. um, when you're sleeping, but then what are dreams? Yeah. Right. So, I mean, you, you, yeah, that's a heavily persistent thing. Yeah. It's heavily persistent. It's just, it's fundamental. You can't, it's inescapable. So then once you realize that, now you're not working with the idea that you're not imaginative mm-hmm. or that imagination is exclusively one, one form or expression, you know, um, that it's commonplace. And that's a good thing. Um, because, and, and also, I would just throw in there the faith thing. I think it's really, really good to kick that, like to kick that in there a little bit, mm-hmm. just to say that. Uh, that's what faith is. You have to go off of prior experience to step into the, 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 the next move, yeah. um, of, of whatever actionable steps you're going to take as a person. Yeah. About one thirty this morning,
0: um, I woke up because some kind of heavy rain was moving through Richmond and yeah. we have, uh, on the, the overhang for the porch, we've got a metal roof. Mm-hmm. And so it's right by our bedroom, which is great. But mm-hmm. if it is a heavy rain, it's not as great. It's pretty right. loud. So I wake up, and the first thing I think is, it's raining outside. Now, my eyes are not even really open, Mm -hmm. and that's my thought. It's raining outside. Well, how do I know that? I know it because I know what rain sounds like. Mm -hmm. But in my head, it wasn't just a uh, kind of Rolodex flipping through. Oh, rain. That's what this is. I've identified it. You know, it's not a, a computational space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But instead, when I woke up. Um, And I thought, it's raining outside. I saw a picture of what it looked like outside in my Mm -hmm. head. Dark, raining, wind blowing, tree swaying. Yep. It wasn't just a a connection with a definition. Yeah. It was very much an image in my brain. Yep. Um, That image was there. I understood what it was. Um, And this was... In that space where I think most of us would be, if we're honest, we'd say is like the most vulnerable and least like logical or rational space we ever exist in, which is just after waking up. Mm-hmm. And my brain was able to do it no problem. Just yeah. Click right yeah, into it. It's
1: automatic. Yeah. So, so I mean, this is this has huge implications, mm-hmm. um, especially for artists. Yeah, I was looking at like how does the almighty Google, what you know, what's the, the quick Oxford, uh, mm-hmm. And it says the uh, faculty or action of forming new ideas or images or concepts of external objects not present to the senses, and um, or the ability of the mind to be creative or resourceful. Um, yeah, that definitely. I only have one issue, like heavy issue with that definition, yeah. and that's
0: the inclusion of the word "new." Yeah, because um, I think that carries a lot of weird weight. One hundred percent, because yeah. it's like like new, like original, like never seen before. Yeah, 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 yeah or yeah. new is in like. This is a new episode of the
1: podcast. You've had episodes of this podcast exactly. in the past, but this is the this new is one. This is a new one. Yeah, I think I think um that has to do with our anthropology a little bit, like or you know, our um how we understand ourselves. Mm-hmm. And uh I think that's up for grabs right now. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm feeling more inclined to wanna and I think that's part of what why we've been doing this podcast for a couple mm-hmm. of years is was partly is to because there are stakes in the game of uh thinking about these things. Yeah. Otherwise we wouldn't do it. It what's the point? Mm-hmm. Um so when you talk about imagination in that way, Uh um, you're not getting an acknowledgement of the pervasive aspect, the prior aspect, not at all, how much you have, like, uh, you know, my favorite game to do with my students, you know, uh, semester in, semester out year after year is I'll say, imagine something you've never thought of before without referring to anything, you know, (laughs) and then everybody sits quietly because you can't do it. You know, somebody will try and they'll be like, Squirrel in a snow cone. Literally, that was one of the examples that it, it's always stuck in my mind. I was like, no, 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 you, 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 you just, you know what a squirrel is, you know what a snow cone is, and you just try to think of what you haven't seen before. Yeah. Um, but you didn't do it without, like, you know, prior knowledge. You had to mm-hmm. use prior knowledge. Oh, totally. Yeah, so, so that proves the point. It's impossible to imagine apart from what you already know. Right. Right, you have to work out of what is known in order to step into what is unknown. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is where, okay, so um, when we, our imagination work, like your prior experience of the rain mm-hmm. allows you to, um, it's like if your brain's a computer, it's looking at uh, patterns mm-hmm. that are uh, persistent enough that your mind can kind of create a composite image predicated on patterns of experience yeah. that are reasonable. Like it may not have been exact one-to-one but it's impressionistically sufficient for uh, imagining what's going on outside without having to look. Right. Right. Um, And so like taking, like we're baby stepping this out, but where I want to get to is, is the fact that, um, uh, you know, that's almost like this could be another episode, but is what we make then Mm -hmm. affects what we imagine comes next. Mm. Yeah, totally. And how we see ourselves. And the implication of that is responsibility. Mm-hmm. So uh, when we when we think that we're not, you know, one of the things that I, I guess I've experienced uh, in, the, in the art community um, is the double think mm. between art is powerful. And then if you say, hey, well, what about the uh, responsibility for this thing? Ah, it's, it's just art. It's not going to. It's not going to hurt anybody. It's not going to do anything. Yeah, I, I thought it was powerful though. Mm-hmm. So out of one side of your mouth, you say you say it's we say it's powerful. On the other side of our mouth, if it doesn't, if it isn't suitable, or you know, if, you, if there's pushback, enough pushback, or all of a sudden you're like, and oh, no, it's, it's just you know, it's just a horror movie, yeah, yeah. or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, whatever it is, and um, and uh, that's doublespeak. That's like utter paradox, utter contradiction. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if it, yes, yeah, not a paradox, utter contradiction. Yeah, totally. Um, um, a few years back, um, I went with my wife and my daughter,
0: and we saw an exhibit at uh, a museum, mm-hmm. and that's as far as I'm going to go with it. But, um, and um, the point of the exhibit was completely missed because the um, implication of what was in place of this museum was so oppressive in the room mm-hmm. that it did the exact opposite of the artist statement. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, it's one of those places you're talking about where um, there was, there was one side of it. Oh, this is powerful mm-hmm. that was thought about, but how it was powerful and what that power was doing, like wasn't even considered. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Cause it was like, but it, you know, it was, it was just my, my personal conversation right, with this. And it was like, no, I mean, it was the sort of thing where you saw people walking through this, these sets of galleries and
1: they were avoiding one room altogether. Yep. Because and that, of what was there. And, that's be, and so this is this is I mean gosh we might be derailing our own talk but that's that's because the um uh double speak. Mm-hmm. um doesn't account for um negative negative effects. Mhm. Oh totally. Um and calls them so it's like uh out one side of the mouth you say This is specific. So, like if we were in a, so take a work, let's pretend we're taking a work Mm -hmm. and we're looking at it and we're looking at it in a studio critique in an MFA program. Yeah. Conversation is very unique to that environment. Everyone's talking about it. It's, um, you know, it's pushing on theoretical categories, it's Mm -hmm. pushing on critical theory, it's pushing on, you know, uh, say it's new media, mixed media form, Mm -hmm. dealing with a certain set of identity issues, right? Right. In that context, it's a very, very exclusive context. Yeah. Um, and the double mindedness of uh, the folks in the room is to assume it's exclusive, but also to assume that everybody else is either privy, should be privy, or will be privy to this conversation. Mm-hmm. So you're, then you're assuming a kind of pervasive implication for everyone regarding this work of art, which I've said in many conversations like this. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, it's not true. No, not even close. It's an overestimated sense of the uh, impact of the given art or the given artist in the room. But what happens is we're talking about it specifically, and then the critiques demand specificity. Mm -hmm. So, in fact, when the work is not specific enough, uh, the artist is critiqued for its lack of specificity, right? Mm -hmm. That's one side of the mouth. On the other side, it's completely neutral. Yeah. So, neutral and specific become contradictory. You can't actually have both. No. Um, If it's new, so uh, one of the biggest misnomers that is deeply held is that there are things that are neutral. That has produced what I would call radicalized reactionary sincerity towards extremes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So we're in this tension. Um, but we still hold on to the neutrality of a work when we're in a gallery like you're talking about or a mm-hmm. museum like you're talking about, and there's a room people are avoiding because the work is powerful and is specific and therefore is not doing what maybe the artist thinks it's doing mm-hmm. but it's doing something it's not doing a neutral thing it's doing a something and that is formative or that is shaping and it's shaping in ways that may actually be dehumanizing yeah be insufficient it may be to the uh, defilement or detriment of, of a child let's say you know because mm-hmm. you're just using your daughter as an example mm-hmm. um but because we call it art and it's neutral and pre- now we're now we're double talking back into well, it's art it's neutral and it's up for people's own personal, mm-hmm. you know, So yeah. what, what, it, what we're really looking at is the brokenness of how we think. Yeah.
0: And also, you know, it's that the, the, the work that we're making because it's coming out of things that we know. Because yes. it's coming out of the world that we live in. Correct. My imagination only has a few places it can really go because yep. it's tied to that reality. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so in that space, like, um, yeah, the, the audacity of the neutrality. Yeah. Of art is... Uh, On one hand, it's, it's, it's just mind boggling. And on the other hand, it, it, it makes the field feel pointless. Yeah. Um, I don't want to spend my
1: life making neutral objects. Mm -hmm. You fight like take, I'm trying to think this may be a poor analogy, but I was trying to think like fire can really burn and destroy and devastate. Yeah. Right. But stewarded well, it can be reduced to a decorative flame, you know, uh, you know, with some candles lit in a house or mm-hmm. a campfire or a porch, you know, like a backyard fire grill or pit. Yeah. Like it has, uh, potentials to give off relative degrees of heat without the de- de- destroying anyone or destroying things. Right. Or to only destroying the things that are necessary to keep it going, to keep it hot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but never is it neutral and no. you never handle fire as though it were neutral. Mm-mm. So there's a respect that comes with the, um, the usage of fire. Yeah um if you thought of art that way um it, yeah. yeah 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 you you would you'd understand all its applications but you'd always know you were working with fire
0: yeah yeah and there's a there's a flatness it is not neutral no and, and there's a flatness to the world in which you can believe that fl- fire is neutral there's a flatness and a and a a, a mundaneness yeah. there's nothing exciting and and in a world where like fire is neutral um well let's get out of the metaphor but in a, in yeah. a world where imagination is not not useful. Yeah. Um it's, it's a it's a world that is only going to persist as is.
1: Yeah, and it also it also means that the um in a world where we disregard imagination uh-huh. in its fullness, then you're giving more space for brute force. Yeah. So it, it, things become brute force. And when brute force becomes the desirable pinnacle aesthetics in uh um the the benefits of of our imaginations become dwindled because the criterion for what establishes brute force uh doesn't require as much actually doesn't require as much adorning or or specifying or and so um the work suffers because the imagination has been blunted out mm-hmm. um uh, the communication is uh, is blunt and, fo- and brute, and um, there's just no reason to spend much time considering it. So when you go back, observ observing um, delays and informs our in inner self in such a way that we have our faculties are are repl- are filled with um, good information, if you will, good experiential formal lived seen mm-hmm. earthened information and you know logic and facts and science and math i mean all this stuff right um and then and then we work towards what those effects are so when you start to imagine what can happen um when you're making a painting or w- what can happen when i when i do this um you got to think of other people in that you gotta yeah. so we say like think of your audience but if like, even that, like in art school, like a lot of times, audience is just a weird abstract category. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like when you watch uh, Star Wars, the latter mm-hmm. ones, and they just kind of take 10 soldiers, or even Lord of the Rings, they did this like 10, 10 orcs, and then they just like cut and paste
0: mm-hmm.
1: 500 of the same 10. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how you imagine your audience. Yeah. And so that audience doesn't, has, nev- has never existed. Mm-hmm. And, typically that audience is not just the people in your grad school program yeah. or in the hollows of your head mm-hmm. in your studio. Um, and the, you know, what I've found over time is like the audience that that is, is far more interesting than the audience I thought I was preparing for. Yeah. They're far more, impre- they're far more unpredictable. Mm-hmm. It's a little more wild West. And, uh, and, um, I had, I've had to really stretch and grow as an individual. to relate to those people. I had to use my imagination to Uh start to envision like how the person walking in who I think doesn't look like they're interested in art is utterly interested in it Uh or can be right. Um, Provided I'm making things that are, that, that are, um, you know, good for, good for folks on some reasonable level. Uh Uh Um, But yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think um, we're not realizing how impactful our, our our imaginative work is, um, because we're not realizing how much our imagination needs to be fed. Yeah. Um, me, so you know we we have we're, we're limiting our imagination by assuming it's not really at play so much, and we've narrowed what imagination is. So a lot of times it's like the it's like the crappier looking thing becomes yeah. an expression of imagination. Yeah. yeah. Um. in it's so like in in like if let's say a contemporary painting, you know, there's there's uh the more childlike it looks uh-huh. to your point, the more the more it looks like it's riffing on Jean-Michel Basquiat, which is a singular artist, yeah, in my mind. Um, the more that constitutes imagination. Right. And um I just keep going like a lot of that stuff is not gonna last. No, it, it will not, not hold that. up. It won't endure. And what's the effect? Are you so what the, what is the effect? We like it's interesting when you think about that because we're living in an age where uh, we have a category called indefinite adolescence uh. so because we've yeah, right, so like we contradictory, we, yeah, it's kind of, we, we image things that are childlike as adults, but childlike in a disservice to children in their true capacity, yeah, it's a it's a character childish childish, it's a characterization that is limited, and so then people see this and desire it because they perceive freedom uh, of self-expression and um agency in those expressions and so they they covet they desire it and then you build a life around it so you're building a life around a poor understanding of what we are Mm -hmm. with the assumption that it's actually the most progressive understanding yeah and then that proliferates and normalizes and and that gets into the issue of responsibility who's responsible well the artist or the filmmaker or the celebrity um or the musician or you know and if you look just just do a gut check i mean I, if you look the more kind of um sexualized something becomes mm-hmm. the more it's always darker it's always got to go kind of demon like like mm-hmm. it's always got to be like demonic or mm-hmm. um or the more rebellious or like if you keep looking it's like it's like it's like that's the only progressive stance yeah and um and that is there in contrast to the kind of Disney imagination. Uh-huh. So you're like in these two categories that have co-opted what it means to, to ha- to, to, employ and use your imagination and their characterizations are extremes. Um, yeah. You know, and I think, and, and just truthfully, and, and I will, I hold myself to this standard, meaning I haven't exceeded or I haven't succeeded at this myself. I don't believe, uh-huh. um, which is, uh, to to imagine things w- in a way that is well uh-huh. and um, for, you know, good's just overplayed, but for the good, if you will, um, is harder uh-huh. by a long shot than, than working out of those other categories, than working with uh, the negative categories, if you will. Uh-huh. It's easier for me to imagine devil horns and you know, uh, images that look like ghostly apparitions, or, I mean, like I can, I can work all day out of that milieu, Uh but to not work out of that milieu, is difficult. Yeah. It's demanding. This is, and so this comes back to, um, and this is where you say we lack imagination, but the reason why we lack imagination is because we lack desire to observe and know Uh to such an extent that we're, we're filled uh, with employable reality, yeah, um, because we expect that there's a phenomenological uh, undertone to the world we live in. That there's there must be more to this world, yeah. But um, so to deny that, you have to suppress it, and in suppressing it, you have to push to the other end. And so you know, like it's like if you've noticed, like it's like why Hallmark shows suck, because <laughs> to talk about good things is hard. It's hard yeah there's some kind of brokenness in us that doesn't allow us to do it very well yeah yeah you know what i mean like there's the, like, the, like the only sincere place is the the tough terrible
0: negative harsh place yes um yeah but the uh the insincere places where you're you know denying all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and you're um i mean you, you know piece of cavaliers say like imagining like a better mm-hmm. situation um yeah, it's, it's, a tough, it's, a, it's a tough spot to be in, because when you start to really diagnose, um, when you start to diagnose kind of where you are, because, um, you know, we're, we're all a part of this, because going back to those episodes about the world, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we all live in the same world. yeah. Uh, it's, not, it's not acting on me differently mm-hmm. than it is you. Uh, my particular circumstances might be different, yeah. but in terms of the totality of what life is, and experiences are like, right. Our lives are not drastically different. Yeah. Um, and that goes for anybody, not just you and I. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, the, the whole idea of being uh, a part of, uh, of a world that, uh, is and acts and does mm-hmm. is hugely, hugely important. Um, there's a, there's an author by the name of Steven Johnson wrote a book called where good ideas come from. Mm-hmm. It's the whole book is not great, but there are a few chapters that are really strong. And he starts off and he really is talking about this concept a lot. Uh, He pins it to creativity, Mm -hmm. um, but he's using the word largely interchangeably with imagination. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) And his whole thing is he says um, imagination or creativity exists in a space of adjacent possible. Yeah. And so he says, um, think of, uh, you know, imagine uh, you walk into a building like a mansion. Mm -hmm. Well, you walk into the foyer and there's three doors off of that foyer you can't get to any of the rooms on the other side of those three doors until you pass through those doors. Mm -hmm. So if there's a kitchen at the very back of the house, you can't go from the foyer to the kitchen. Mm -hmm. That's not a possible leap because of the constraints of the world that you live in, the physicality of the space, uh, the way that movement occurs, the physics of the world, the way that all these systems are Mm -hmm. in play. So if off of the foyer is a dining room, a living room, and a hallway, Mm -hmm. those are your three options that doesn't mean you can't imagine what the kitchen might look like Mm -hmm. but it does mean that you're not going to be walking into it and so um when when i present this idea with students a lot of them kind of sigh with relief Mm -hmm. and they're like oh you mean i don't have to i don't have to make something that no one's ever conceived of in any way possible whatsoever yeah yeah yeah, that was never the expectation Mm -hmm. and i'm not sure where you got it from Mm -hmm. um so the idea of uh, of imagination being tied to this world mm-hmm. and then that understanding it, making it excessively important for us to understand what this world is, mm-hmm. what we do to it,
1: and what we are creating in this world, mm-hmm. I mean, it can't be understated. Right. So you're, what you're doing is like, like if we're, let's just assume, um, let's assume for a second like if you took a broken mirror, Yeah. It images the world, but it images, it fractures it up yeah. according to the broken shards or whatever. Let's say that that's kind of human beings. Mm-hmm. So to try to put back together the broken shards, um, once it's together, the image is one-to-one as far as reflection goes. There's no, like, brokenness. So when you think about, let's say you take phenomenology, epistemology, how we know things, yeah. the, the experience of the world, and then you take uh, aesthetics. The world, and if I said to you, the world is necessarily aesthetic. Mm -hmm. It's not aesthetic because you made it so; it is because it is, Mm -hmm. which is a whole other set of questions. And then you have the imagination to, uh, um, you have the faculties to see what's there, Mm -hmm. and you have the imagination to think about what could be there, predicated on what's there. Yeah, right. Um, And then you have the creativity to manifest what's in your imagination into actuality. Mm -hmm. So I'm creative with what that which is yeah um the phenomenon the aesthetic and the aesthetic is important because it specifies our decision making it tells us yes and no it um it it gives us sense sensory experiences and by the way you're 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 um reading a book this week and one of the things that jumped in there that was just like a small passing statement that i thought was really good was um just just parsing out like hey uh feelings and inner feelings and, and sensations are not the same thing. Yeah. So there's times where aesthetics will give you feelings and there's times where aesthetics will give you senses or the, or the form of something will give you a sense that's modified uh, by the aesthetic so you get the, a different feeling, right? Like if I'm, like, let me give you a dumb example. If I'm sitting on a foot massage vibrating chair mm-hmm. um, and it's got a really specified aesthetic, mm-hmm. I'm getting an inner sense and I'm also getting an aesthetic experience. Mm-hmm. I could be sitting on a washer and dryer, It's shaking the same way. Yeah, but the aesthetic and form of it are different. Uh-huh. So I'm still getting a uh, sensation, but I'm not getting the same aesthetic experience. Yeah, that's or you know when I get into a car and the engine's rumbling, uh-huh. you see. So the interplay of those things, right? Um, and then and then your imagination is processing that. Your your mind is processing that, and it's caught. Co- you know, um, it's a your, cog, your cognition uh-huh. is formulating um poss- necessarily possible images hypothetical uh realities that um and, and then you you get one that squares and enough that it activates your curiosity to see it actualized and what are the factors that would motivate it to be actualized well it could be self-expression i think self-expression is wimpy um as a reason to make art mm-hmm. um although i think it's a fine um, aspect of making art but if it's your only reason it's wimpy and that's why the arts get pushed out so that's a gauntlet yeah so so you're looking for more than a wimpy reason so then you're you're that's when you get into things like your audience right like who mm-hmm. is this for um even if it's imagined audience and if the imagined audience is strong enough or the internal desire to prove yourself or whatever it is mm-hmm. is strong enough well then you're then you're act you're creating it you know, so your creativity is um, activated into a creation mm-hmm. that actually exists. And then you have to process what it actually is against what you thought it was. Yeah. And then that's typically a shared experience because you end up seeking out someone else's advice or opinion. Mm-hmm. Once you see it actualized, it becomes the new factor in what comes next. Yep. Because before that, it wasn't on the table. Now you're working with what you're observing in front of you, which is your own work. Yep. I was thinking about this. Um, shout out to, um, I got a newsletter from Nikki Painter who's mm-hmm. shown with us and has a work up now, awesome work. And I feel like um, Nikki is really good at what Nikki does. Uh-huh. Um, really good. And so I'm seeing this scroll of works and like there's a blue piece and I've seen a lot of work where there's a lot of pink or there's like there's mm-hmm. ways that Nikki uses color that's really specific. And it's with these structures and these organic forms and these layers and this collaging and this painting but everything about the aesthetic of the work from the frame to the interior of the work, the inscape of the work, all of that is um, really thoughtfully considered. Like, you know it when you see it, it's just undeniable. And so to see a couple pieces that I thought were freshly emergent out of this work, like this, there's this one blue piece that I like caught my attention.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And um, I was like, that's, that's kind of like um, born out of the milieu that, Nikki's created for herself as far as being an artist, a visual artist. So they've created a whole milieu of works that generates new opportunity. And um, anyhow, just an example in my mind, like if you go see their work, like maybe look on their Instagram, I don't know, their website. But um, to me, that's an example of what happens when an artist is using their imagination Mm -hmm. uh, out out of persistently establishing things to imagine from. Because what happens when you start to make new work, that generates new possible kind of like what you said, like the whole adjacent thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but also that's the thing that that's the thing. It's like, you put that out there and then you got someone else who sees it and they're imagining it ag- against their, their work. And all of a sudden a third opportunity emerges. Right. And we're ins- that's what we call inspiration. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden I'm inspired by the imagination and creativity of so-and-so. And I got to go do something now. Yeah. So like, and if my imagination only extends to other artists,
0: then uh, we have to understand that that is not imagination. It actually is just an echo chamber. Yeah, which means that it all that comes a... off
1: of that uh, is just more of the same. Yeah, um, Instagram is a great example of oh I yeah love, of having of been being really useful mm-hmm. and really exciting but also quickly becoming an echo chamber.
0: Yeah, because it's like, oh, this is what it means to be an influencer. I'm mm-hmm. supposed to look like this. And somebody goes, oh, why Why do influencers look this way? And it's so self-defining. Yes. Yeah, and and anything that's self-defining can also be, uh, you know, the snake eating its own tail. It can be self-destructive. Yeah. Because um, it's two sides of the same coin. Um, and I think with, with the conversation of uh, imagination and adjacent possible, um, this doesn't mean that it negates like far fetched, hyper conceptual, way out there sort of things. Mm-hmm. It just means that it helps us to categorize them better. Yeah, and categorization is not bad. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. you know, definitions not bad. Um, these things all give us uh, kind of the the furniture in the dark room that we get to feel for to know where mm-hmm. we are in place. Yeah, um, and that's all helpful. And I think you know there may be um, maybe some people listening to think. Uh, okay, y'all are talking about, like, considering the audience, and that sounds so blasé, and it sounds so just, like, um, problematic. Like, why, why would I give my artistic control over to a group of nameless, faceless people? Um, and I don't think that's what's being said at all. I think it's more the, um, the, the concepts of self-expression um, of audience and imagination should at least be at a space of, of equal footing. And right now, they may all be a little out of whack. So self-expression may need to be dialed back some mm-hmm. in, in, in people's work. Um, and the consideration of audience may need to be dialed up some. Mm-hmm. And imagination may need to be you know, brought in from the wings and said, oh, you're actually back in the conversation. Yeah. Um, those things may be helpful, but it's not a prioritization. It's not saying this is ultimate or this is key. It's saying uh, in the same way that you consider um, light, volume, shadow. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you consider all these other things? Yeah. Um. Because if all you're making is just the object, and it doesn't exist within a world, then um, we go back to the concept of the neutrality. Then yeah. It's just this thing. It's just this deck. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it it just on sits the. There. It's
1: double speak on the one side of your mouth. You're saying, it's all of these things, but it's only all those things if you're willing to be to play make believe. But you actually, you know, this is this is the thing that I um. You know, and there's artists like, I mean, so yeah, there's artists where, uh, I guess I want to throw this co- caveat in. It's like, if you're like me, when I'm actually sitting down to actually make, um, I'm not consciously assigning, I'm not overthinking it at that point. Yeah. So the benefit of like this podcast, let's say, or this conversation is not to overthink it when you're actually making, but it's just to be thinking about it now so that, so that it actually is informing your awareness you know, people talk about mindfulness and things like that, but to be mindful, to be aware, and um, it may it may attune you. Mm-hmm. So to be attuned is not to say that now I'm hyper vigilant, yeah, and yeah. Uh, um, therefore uh, mastering uh, with my intellect moment to moment every decision I'm making about the construction of the thing. It's overwhelming. It's like you lose the joy of making in some ways if you 100%. think that you're supposed to do that. So the joy of making is when when you kind of. You get in the zone and you're just making, but, but you're not just making. It's just that um, you're not having to think about it too much because you've been thinking about it. So there's a relationship of how conscious you are at what point of the creative practice and how your imagination plays a role in that. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, you, you, you square enough. And, it, and here's the other thing, too. Your imagination sometimes can't see very far into the future. Mm-hmm. Not everybody can see deeply. Um, some people can see in the future but they can't see what's in front of them you mm-hmm. know so everybody's different but um on average i think we are reacting to what's directly in front of our face as we're making it so there's a lot of making like that uh, whether you've structured it and you've you're copying some kind of prior format in a template mm-hmm. or you know you're looking at cause effects those kinds of things and then you're imagining what, what the next step's going to be like i said when you get up for coffee in the morning same mm-hmm. kind of idea um but uh yeah i just don't want pe- you don't want people to feel like they have to overthink it no definitely not. you know what i mean i mean that's um, it's, um if, if you take the example of driving exactly the
0: person who doesn't think about what they're doing and the person who overthinks what they're doing are both equally dangerous on the road mm-hmm. like they're just not the person you necessarily want behind that wheel yeah um and that's not to say they can't drive yeah they can do that whatever the world is what it is. Um, but, you know, if you've been in a car with someone who is like eating a hamburger, talking on their phone, um, and all they're doing is existing within this singular personal space, um, it's not a fun experience to be a passenger in that car. Right. Uh, because uh, you know that they're not actually involved in the world that is just beyond the car. Yeah. And likewise, if you've been like, especially like you know, a young driver learning to drive, and they're they're trying to be like, oh, blinkers and mirrors, and is the seat right, and I don't need to mess with this, and how, where are the cars, and mm-hmm. overthinking everything. Yeah, you know, you're like, well, you're too much into that
1: world out there mm-hmm. that you're not in the world. It's of almost controlling be, in, the wheel. Yeah, and that becomes like a motive issue. Like you're, yeah. you might be skewed to a, a fear, a level of fear that's in uh, making you hypervigilant in a way because your motive is to not get hurt to where yeah, yeah. you're almost crossing over into putting yourself in a position to be hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's weird, but we're, we're living beings. That's what we're not neutral. So we right. have to consider these things. And, and I, I guess I keep saying, uh, attunement is just a way of saying, like, there's some kind of, um, uh, way that we need to be uh, in order to actually, you know, function in our, at our best, you know, those, you know, best moment heightened the scenario kind of thing. But, um, the the whole the whole issue with imagination um is getting a baseline and having a greater awareness of the the pervasive fact i think will help you seize hold of uh greater amounts of opportunity to observe mm-hmm. that are around you in the most um mundane seemingly moments until they're not mundane because you've observed enough to realize that it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. And then you're you're kind of like opening, you know, it's like opening up the curtains to your bedroom and letting light in. If you if you constantly do that, you'll find that you're flooding your mind with more enrichment, which will enable you to make more enriched things. And um if you start to think about how it can build, I think, a better kind of you know, in a, you, I know this always sounds utopic, but I just, there's no other way of saying it. If you start to imagine how you can make things that are for the betterment of people, uh-huh. um, which raises a ton of questions and a lot of disagreement. Oh, yeah. So I'm not saying that there's an obvious way for this and a certain look or a certain type of work. Or, but it's just, you know, if you start to think about those things, um, you're going to have to dig back into the world in a more um, intense way. And you're going to have to dig back into what other people have done. Um, and that's going to create demands on you that may uh, mean that some of you don't make art anymore. I don't know. Like, that's the thing. That's what I was going to say earlier. is like, I'm under that, that weight. It's like, when you start demanding this of yourself, you realize that you haven't maybe obtained to what you'd hoped for, regardless of whether or not you've got an MFA. And that's fine. I don't, I don't think people should stop. It's just that I'm not saying it's easy is all. And I, think, and I think because of that, I think that's why we've reduced these categories to make them manageable for ourselves. But I think along the way, we've just dulled out our imagination. Um, and so we're quick to turn our responsibility over to other people to imagine for us. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's not a world that I want to be in. Yeah, well, it's kind of the one we're in, though. Yeah. I mean, just real talk. Like, it's, like that's what I think we're seeing is we're just seeing a lot of, like you said, it's like, when the world becomes an echo chamber. Yeah. Well, that's I mean... A, that's a horrifying thought, but I think we're there. And I think, you know,
0: the implication of that is, um, you know, going back to some of the things that we've said earlier is um, the world that we're in now is not, is not the case arbitrarily. Mm-hmm. Nope. Um, so if where we can go is based on the possibility of right now, then where we are is based on things that have preceded us. Mm-hmm. So um, I think... This is going to be, (laughs) this may not be a, this may be an inflammatory statement. So we all have to also um, sit back and be okay with taking responsibility for our part in the world that has, that does exist right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Even, even while we may be trying to push aside our responsibility for the world that will exist.
1: Well, let me give you an example. Let me just be, okay. So there's two things I want to say to your point. One is, what we're talking about then so one is um when you unravel the shallow or kind of narrowed notions of imagination mm-hmm. then it opens the window back up for things uh that other people might say are traditional uh, or yeah. historical or past tense like so what yeah. that means if if you're here you're listening and you're like an illustrator and you feel like oh i'm not contemporary enough um that may not be the case to like, because you're in this contemporary moment, you actually are contemporary. Yeah. And, um, you have license to make the work you want to make, sing the song the way you want to sing it. So if you want to, if you want to sing folk music, sing folk music. If you want to sing chamber pop, uh, you know, baroque, (laughs) do your thing, rocket, rocket. And, uh, and, um, you'll find within that milieu imaginative, Outcomes, or you can be really just uh, derivative, right? Um, and that's the choice you're making. Um, but take it. So, just to just to put that out there, like I think it's really important to establish that. So, like once you're when you're, and if you're really cont- like you know if you're making you know quote unquote categorically contemporary art, mm-hmm. um, there's nothing about this conversation that says don't make contemporary. We love contemporary art. I love contemporary art. Yeah, I mean I'm a contemporary artist. Um, but it, it frees you to look more widely and be more influenced widely. Yeah. And that, and, and here's the thing that may actually change your work, but in ways that are imaginative and mm-hmm. interesting, um, and it may not, it may reinforce what you do, but either way, I think it's a win. Um, now to your point though, the responsibility, let me make a scenario that I think is real. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's take, let's take, take pornography. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you, I, I got a hunch, if we did a analysis on the kind of from the sixties or seventies forward on pornography, mm-hmm. the argument is, Hey, it's not hurting anybody. Anybody can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well now we're into the two thousands and you have um, pornographic addiction is off the charts across the spectrum of yeah. people. You know, it used to be like, oh, it's just men. Well, it's everyone now. Yeah. Um, and statistically, it's on the rise. So the, the perpetual state of titillation uh, causes sexualized manifestations outside that direct realm. In other words, right. you become so activated uh, image-wise uh, by uh, observing experiences that are not your own. Yeah in a certain focused manner that um, your demands for that kind of experience increases and you see uh, really what you see is whole societies built, whole cultures built now on the pervasive influence of pornography. Mm. So all the people that were like, it's not hurting anybody uh, were, were catastrophically wrong Mm. and not accountable to their, how wrong they were. Yeah. Uh, So they just kick the ball down the floor, and and so what you have is apps. You have you've created whole cultures. You got a cultures. uh, You got institutions that are there to help people with porn addiction. Mm -hmm. So now you've got jobs that were created. Yep. Um, You have families that are ruined. You have children that are sexualized. You have the ramping up of in the of of um, objects of desire across spectrums that uh, dig into moral categories in a culture that doesn't want to talk about morality. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, I'm using this as an example and I know there, I know this is, this sounds like I'm, you know, backwards, but, um, you know, I think it really hit me is I, I was looking at a friend of mine had passed and I was, I'll never forget it. I was like on the internet looking at their obituary. Mm-hmm. This was years and years ago. So there wasn't algorithms. This was a long time ago. And, uh, and it was just like back when ads were kind of like a fixed thing, you know, it was like the wild west of the internet. Yeah. And, uh, there's like a person with a bikini and it's like, why? And it was for, it was selling something not related to any reason for a woman to be in a bikini. Yeah. So it was using like we say sex sells. Well, we're so inundated with, with it that we can't imagine a world without it. Right. So, so I, so Take Lord, so I'm going somewhere with this, right? So I remember having a conversation with a person who said that they believe that the Lord of the Rings was about the sexual attraction between Frodo and Sam. I don't want to chase that down, but here's what I want to say about that. And I and I said, Well, if there's author I said, that's interesting. I can I can imagine how you can see that based on the movies. Uh I said, just I can imagine with you, right? But the author had intention and the intention is a deep friendship. But we're so sexualized, we can't imagine deep, deep intimate friendship. Uh-huh. It has to cross over. So our imaginations have been flooded pervasively with a kind of irresponsibility that has, has really wreaked havoc on society. And it's caused a lot of people to want to vacate their station in their own frame because they don't want to be sexualized now. Uh-huh. So they, they want to undo uh, you know, part of the sexual nature of what it means to be a person, a human, right? Uh-huh. And I'm not, I'm not an expert on this. It's this just my ob- observations. But I remember telling the person, I said, is it, can you imagine a story that doesn't have a love interest and a sex moment in it? Like, can you, can you imagine that that's not the case? And they mm-hmm. couldn't do it. Um, and yeah. so, I mean, I, and I'm not saying they're right or wrong, per se. What I, but what I am trying to describe is, um, uh, um, how many movies do you see about friendship? Not You don't. Because we can't imagine that. Well, why? Because our imagination's been filled with what... Uh, our loins most, like, like as an example, right. Uh Um, so you take that into categories like horror movies and like, I mean, how good is it really to see just, you know, persistent horrific images Uh and then we wonder why the world is horrific. Yeah. Right. Like we wonder why, uh, there's murder in the streets. And I'm like, it, it just, it just hit me. Like, I mean, I used to listen to a lot of, um, you know, my life was a little different. So I used to listen to a lot of um, music that, you know, like, like, um, I mean, I listened to a lot of hip hop, a lot of gangster rap. And one thing I could say that I realized is I would be like in my, my music gallery, which was my car Mm -hmm. in California. And my perpetual state of mind was always under the influence of who I was listening to. Yeah. And I never knew, I never knew it. I always was like, Oh man, this ain't, this ain't shaping me. It was heavily shaping my mentality. And so, when every word is the B word, like mm-hmm. you know, like yeah, in it changes every the way you see it people. changes the way you see people. It, it, it's not act, and so, like you know, on the one hand, we're we're and I love hip hop. You mm-hmm. know that you do too. Yeah. Like, but it changes the way you see people. So, but then what we say is well, it's just neutral, yeah, right? Like the, that's right. the double speak. Mm-hmm. So, but our imaginations are being utterly narrowed to these debased the categories that defile, disrespect, defame uh, dehumanize Mm -hmm. and we call it creativity and imagination. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's
0: a stunting of it. Yeah. It's a a limiting of it. Yeah. Um, it's more or less kind of like, uh, uh, building ruts and we Mm -hmm. say, well, this is where imagination can run. Yeah. Just
1: right here. So the more, you know, teaching at university where I, I went through a season where you go to critiques and the more, the exact, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to, we have kids that listen to our podcast. So, but, um, there was a season of about six years. You know, some of the number one, some of the number one programs in the country, uh-huh. and the the, the the most sort of uh, intensified critiques would land with things like, as like the uh, prized statement was that's effed up, uh-huh. like as a positive, like yeah. that someone had managed to make something that was both physically and aesthetically engaging and conceptually effed up, yeah. because it it undid something that. Was assumed as a normative state. It deconstructed something, mm-hmm. and then the observers in the room kind of got excited by being able to unravel the logic of the deconstructive idea to the point that it effed it up. And it was like, but in a in a really smart way. So it was like, look how smart you are. You effed it up. Yeah, that's effed up. And it, dude, it was like all the time. And I remember just being like, what is going on here? Like, how is that? Like, what are we unraveling? What are we deconstructing? What are we? Uh-huh. you know what are we activating um you know yeah. and i was the the bummer in the room so i'd ask those <laughs> questions and then people would be like what are you even talking about dude i don't even understand you right now yeah but um don't bring your context in here yeah don't bring yeah 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 <laughs> um and i know i mean i can't i can't help it. i know that it's just pornography is just is easy but it actually it you know it's like uh goodness man here's here, another one that just kind of like is hilarious to me is I remember in the 90s, it being like, hey, the best thing to do, and if you're going to marry, if you're going to date, live with someone before you marry them, right? And psychologists and counselors, everyone was saying that. Dude, within 10 years, everybody 180 and said, statistically, if you live with someone before you marry them, your marriage will won in three years. Like the numbers were off the charts. And it's like, okay, so within a 10 year period, you were saying, um, you know, this is the way to go yeah, yeah. to, to get to X and that, and now you're, 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 you're 180 on that. And my whole thing is if we had better categories and a little bit of an imagination, we can make good assumptions and, and, uh, you know, um, maybe not do that. Like yeah. maybe, <laughs> maybe have a, maybe imagine things a little, a little better, like do the hard work, uh, have better categories. Yes. Um, Admit that you're not qualified to do it. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. Oh, huge. Um, how many people uh, um, know your frame? Like I said, I, I'm not being falsely modest when I say, or humble when I say, uh, I don't think I've lived up to what maybe I'm saying here. Like, I, I think I've fallen short of it in, in, in very concrete and real ways. And then there's some, some flickers. There's some reasons to stay with it, but um, I'm not looking at what I've done. And I got questions about what I've done.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, like, I, I'm not confident um, um, in certain places. Like, I, I have, like, really, really, really hard to answer questions about the things I've made and the things I want to make. Mm-hmm. And um, it's painful to, to really ask these questions. It's, it's, it's challenged me. Um, and some someone might say, well, just shut up and paint and, you know, make. And, and that's true, and I've done that. Um, but I want, to be a, I want to be better for my kids. Uh-huh. And your kids, and my neighbor's kids, and the next generation, and I'm willing to lay down a little bit of, um, ego, yeah, to try to figure it out so we can see a better future. Because there's a lot of reasons to be concerned right now. Yeah, it totally is. And you
0: know, something that what you were saying earlier brought up is, you know, the adjacent possible. Like that means that the things in the past. You you know, you're alluding to the fact that like you know, if if you're maybe looked at it as a little. Uh, you know, I don't know, maybe. Um, old world. Old world. Maybe you're making some like kitschy stuff. Maybe it feels a little pastiche. Yeah. Like that's still possible. Yeah. Like I can be imaginative about things that have already exactly. gone on. Exactly. And there's freedom
1: in that. Yeah. Right. And so. Um, like if you still want to be a jazz artist right now. Yeah. Nobody play like there being Miles. Like, yeah. It ain't, it ain't, it ain't, you're not a part of the epicenter of the birth of jazz, but you're legacy extending and there's yeah. still creativity within the milieu. And we're okay with this
0: in several other categories exactly but not within the the pretentiousness of art um, because there's there's some kind of weird weight right like right. Because art is powerful but also neutral yeah. um, which right? is not which is yeah. not but it's it's a powerful thing so of course this makes sense but I mean just go walk to any store any any store that sells clothes and what are you gonna see you're gonna see big old baggy jeans that don't fit people right they're gonna have high waists. You're going to have clunky white shoes sitting around. You're going to have uh, crop top shirts everywhere. Just like when we were in the 90s the first time. Yep. yep. And nobody's sitting on this saying, oh, this is garbage. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, it's, it's coming back. Why? Because it's a possible thing. Yeah. Because your imagination can extend to a place, even if that place has existed. I mean, the mullet can And came still back.
1: change it. The mullet came back. you know what I mean? It never yeah, left for correct. some people, but it came back. <laughs> to your point, though. Yeah. You know, there totally was a point where I was like, dude, I can never imagine it. I, like, I've said it multiple times. Like That's like one haircut that won't come back It's a mullet. Yeah. And lo and behold, man, there are some people that resurrected that thing. I thought that thing was dead and gone. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I'm bringing the mullet back. And they did it. And, and do, your, <laughs> do your thing. But it's true. You know, uh, and, you know, because we're cynical, we call it recycle culture. And I think, I think that's a yes and no. I think, I think there's recyclers, and I think that there's um, uh, uh, treasure hunters that, that saw value. But know, there's also change to it. And there's nuance and change, variation. Yeah, and I think yeah. it's,
0: you know, if we, if we cast an uncritical eye on something, I mean, an uncritical eye is probably a good definition for cynicism. mm mm-hmm. um, but I think that if we if we cast an uncritical eye on something like that, we say, oh, it's just it's just recycled. It's just garbage. Yeah. It's just brought back from the dead when it should have been dead the whole time. Right. And that's not the case. We mm-hmm. don't see it, you know, uh, because, uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe this is weird, but I'm guessing that most people listening to this podcast probably go to a museum, look mm-hmm. at stuff on the wall, and have some sort of value category for it. Yeah. And if that's the case, then why can't that stuff be equally valuable in terms of your making or the style of making? Or why would you... Uh, negate someone who makes in that way or why would you negate yourself if you make in that way? Mm-hmm. Um, like these things are there and imagination doesn't extend just to some uh, weird sci-fi uh, you know, like it's not the Jetsons. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be the Jetsons. It mm-hmm. doesn't have to be that at all.
1: Yeah. 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 Yep. Um, <laughs> I, I, my fear is, my fear is our very um, blunted imagination means that we have a blunted we were reading my kids were learning about uh george washington carver yeah, yeah. holy smokes yeah, dude. amazing holy amazing, smokes dude. i mean six years old seven just demanding to go to school and learn and and then going to schools and learning and they're like we can't teach anymore and then going somewhere else and learning and reading the same book multiple times because another book to read to where to where he memorized it you know i think he Shout out to Ava and Ivory for their my daughters. They did a presentation, and it really was informative. My wife, Laura. And um, and I'm maybe going to get this wrong, but I think he found like 300 applications for peanuts. Yeah, yeah. And that's like right. 200 for uh, sweet potato. Yeah. So his imagination, he, he dude, he traveled for free. He traveled for free teaching people, uh, slaves, you know, as a uh, slave himself, and uh, how, to, how to farm. Mm-hmm. And uh, best practices, ways of growing things that were nutritious, relentless, relentless, um, always carried a, um, a bit of nature in his lapel mm-hmm. with him and went for walks every day. And, and uh, you know, it's like a Christian guy. So he's talking to God or whatever and mm-hmm. walking and talking. And he, um, I mean, people wrote to him and he wrote back like you know, he was just life bringing to where I was like, what a remarkable thing! I was telling my kids, "It's like this man saw, because he was curious and knowledgeable and observant of the world, saw something in peanuts that allows us to be here having like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, yeah, or that. a peanut butter cookie, mm-hmm. or it, his imagination was so impactful and so legacy extending that we." Assume the benefits of his efforts without without ever necessarily connecting it to him totally it just it was you know, just maybe one of the most remarkable people I've ever heard of yeah I mean and it's uh, his, his efforts
0: are so uh, impactful like I, I like you said like the his impacts are so impactful that we are actually able to kind of forget they existed yes take it for granted. Like and that's not that's not a small thing. That's not a, a negation of who he is. Mm-hmm. It's that what he did was he created such uh, a, a rich space in the world mm-hmm. that we can't conceive of that being from one person. Mm-hmm. You know, and in fact, the other day somebody was saying something, and I was like, "Yeah, you know, like I, I love peanut butter sandwiches." And I was like, I was talking about peanut butter, and I was like, "Yeah, you know, George Washington Carver." And they were like, "Who?" Yeah, and I was like, "the the dude who like made peanut butter." Yeah, and they're like, "Did he really?" And I was like, "I mean." He may, have, may not have been the first person to mash up some peanuts, but he definitely was, was the peanut guy. And they're like, oh, I never knew that.
1: Yeah, I was like, you
0: should go check it You out. should go
1: check. And here's the, here's the thing. It's not, okay, so here's the big rub. If you hear this, it feels like work. You're like, because here, here's, what, here's, what, here's what wasn't the case. It, he wasn't doing it. Like he wouldn't even cast checks from people mm, yeah. um, for work that he'd done. Because it, for him, it's just something you do. he was he, he was very modest in his means. it was you know fascinating. um but here's what he wasn't trying to do. also, he was the first living person to have a monument made to his name who wasn't a president in in, in America, okay. which I thought was really something. so Sh- Richmond, make a monument on Monument Avenue at George Washington Carver, like yeah, that would be that that'd would be great. Be, yeah, that would be great. use some imagination, Richmond. um <laughs> <laughs> um so he so um he wasn't trying to be what we're talking about his goal wasn't to be what we're saying he was Mm -hmm. his goal was you know his faith perspective his uh enamored you know relentless inward or internal to external desire motivation to know things to care yeah and out of that, he couldn't help but imagine possibilities because the wealth of what was in front of his eyes. I mean, the kid was making, when he was a like, four-year-old, he was making his own gardens, and he was growing flowers. And people were telling him, it's a waste of your time. Why would you grow flowers and not food? Mm-hmm. It's remarkable. So, so here, here's a heightened example of someone that is, you're not going to find too many of. Right. So it's important yeah. to know that. So what you're not saying is, hey, hey be one-to-one like this guy but um he also wasn't pursuing fame and notoriety and he wasn't looking for affirmation so if you're an artist and you're pursuing fame notoriety and affirmation and you're hearing this discussion you'll be crushed
2: Mm -hmm.
1: but if you're enamored and you're devoted and you you're curious you won't you, you can't help but make things and lo and behold some people probably will 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 take hold of what you're doing and someone else will probably talk about you in a way and yeah. Isn't that the case? Right. Like, isn't that the case? Like you, you normally get the, the people you talk about that made it. I don't know that they are seeing themselves the way that we're seeing them. It's a, it's our afterthoughts. It's our looking at them after the fact. Yeah. You know, um, Tolkien wasn't making Lord of the Rings to like, he thought it was a failure. Mm-hmm. He was conflicted when he died because a lot of people received it as such. And some people, there's a yeah. few people in the world that don't like Lord of the Rings and, um, um you know i'll buy a drink we can talk about it yeah we can talk (laughs) but i mean what one thing is that's a genre setting work so that is a staggering a staggering work now we can we talk about talking now because we want to dig back into like what in the heck produced that Mm -hmm. um and uh and so we've constructed an idea of talking that probably just probably isn't all the way the case like True. His his real humanity was more modest, and he was enamored with language, yeah, and cultures, and Nordic cultures, and like you one could, of, one of the yeah. best books we have. <clears throat>
0: like we, I mean, if if Tolkien wrote it or a relative wrote it, we have it in our house. And one of the best ones we have is a collection of the uh, Father Christmas letters he wrote to his kids. Mm. So every year he would write a letter as Father Christmas. To his kids, and it was this rich, ongoing story. And he went so far to create um, a possible world mm-hmm. for these children that he wrote the letters with his left hand mm-hmm. because he didn't want them to recognize his handwriting. They, uh, he wanted it to be this this other person mm-hmm. that existed and very much existed in the world. So mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't some weird thing with like elves and candy cane architecture. Mm-hmm. It was very much a guy who had like a friend who was a polar bear. And they lived in this place, and they did these things, and they had their antics. And it happened over years and years and years to his kids. Mm-hmm. It was highly, highly imaginative because it was based in the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just something that he loved
1: doing. Yeah, he wasn't doing it to be
0: famous. No, he wasn't sitting here saying, you know, hey,
1: in 70 years, I'm going to have a book of all these. Yeah, and some guy's going to be talking across airwaves. Digital era, you know, whatever space. Yeah. About this book, oh, he was you, like, "I'm going to yeah. write these to
0: my kids because, yeah. you know, I love my kids. I love what's happening. Yep. I love this season. I love what I do."
1: Yeah. The pri- he was he was humanizing, he was building them up. He was that's a he was flourishing them in, in a, a kind of micro and uh, private way.
0: Some are better than others. Yeah. No that's doubt. just what they are. There's, what a, there's a variance between them. It's what it is. Um, but uh, it, you know, if you, if you hate Lord of the Rings, at least go check out his Father Christmas yeah, letters. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. no, he's, I mean. <laughs> You know, but in either way, like even if you don't like Lord of the Rings, his, um, his, uh, um, you know, he's undeniable as far as of uh, being a virtuoso, like Bach was, like like mm-hmm. you can go through a list of all these people for, throughout history that that had a intensification towards knowing things, mm-hmm. and that like l- like Da Vinci, like in or Picasso, or I mean, um, you know, there's these like people that we just kind of almost are bored with because they're such known quantities, and yet, though, you, you, they're unmatched in their intensity towards doing. Mm-hmm. So they're great examples of, of um, their intensification towards the world, plus their imagination to make out of the world yeah. something, to make culture, to make art, to be creative. Um, um, those two things are tied together. So when your imagination is fed strictly through uh, scrolls on Instagram, mm-hmm. if you go on Instagram and you start looking, um, one thing that Instagram has showed me, and some of this is just, just algorithm, but um, the level of parodying in painting, specifically, just as an example, is staggering to me. I could compile 300 artists right now, mm-hmm. and you almost couldn't tell the difference in their work. Not a chance. And you know, I'll, you know, in my own double speak, do your thing. But I just wonder if um, we're so disconnected um, at the expense of a, of a kind of a pseudo connection mm-hmm. that, um, you know, th- this, yeah, like it's almost like we need, okay, so here, here's what I'm trying to say is our imagination actually needs to be awakened.
0: Yeah, I
2: think
1: so. We actually need like a great awakening. Mm-hmm. We need like a, um, everyone says woke. I don't think we're woke enough. I don't think we're awake enough. Mm. I, don't, I don't. I don't like. I taught. I teach my students how to look at uh, their faces,
2: mm. and
1: um, every year um, we go through like how your nose and your eyes line up. But the thing that um, is never talked about that I talk about is like the very specific way your face and your nostrils and your eyes and the curve of your ear. Like the shape of your ear at a profile is the same shape of your overall head. So your earlobe and your chin are the same curve, same angle. Like I could start walking it down. If, mm-hmm. if, you know, if I took a photograph of you and, and the photograph is flat and straight on and your ears are sticking out, you know, I can, they're, they're laying back, but I can see them just that the way that ears stick out. Mm-hmm. If I cut those out looking forward, I just cut those images out left and right and I put them together, it makes the overall shape of your head as a profile so that I can like enlarge that to the shape of your head and draw your eyes and your nose and your mouth back into your ear from that angle, and it'll work. It'll work as your head. So like if we keep, if I keep chasing that down, like if you recall, I remember when uh, Clinton and Trump were running for president and there was these memes where they were taking their mouths and putting them <laughs> yeah. into their eyes, <laughs> yeah. and you almost couldn't tell. Well, there's a reason why. It's because your eyes and your no, your mouth are, are a similar shape and, and um, form, and so you, I could start breaking that down for you. Your whole body is like that. No, there's not a semester that goes by where that's not completely mind blowing to people. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, how many? So think about this. How many, you know, you're in my class. I might be one of the only people that teaches this. Not even, not even joking. I said plastic surgeons. I've done my research. Like Plastic surgeons have Mm -hmm. caught up a little bit in the last 10 years, um, which is is why when people get plastic surgery, they have to change everything. Yeah. Because there's such accordance with your face. But you've never noticed it and you've seen your face a million times. You've mm-hmm. taken 2 billion selfies and you've never noticed this. And everyone is just sitting there in shock. Yeah. I was like, now think about how, how many other people are making decisions about who they are without all the facts. Because I'm only touching on one small part. Mm-hmm. And, and, and think about how all of that can activate an imagination for an alternative to what you think is your only option. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 the implications when you're f- more fully understanding what's in front of you, Actually gives your imagination the kind of fullness it needs to envision what what should be the case or what might be the case. Yes, yeah, so it sounds like you know if um, if my if my imagination's a
0: little you know it's slumbering over there in the corner, not really being um, used much. Um, it seems like one of the best steps is not to uh, start going really far afield. It really is to kind of uh, tap back into the world um it has less to do with um kind of uh you know surrealist game experiments um that are always fun to do in the early years of art school but has a whole lot more to do with maybe going outside and taking a walk maybe picking up a few books and reading some stuff Mm -hmm. maybe having a conversation over a good
1: meal with some people yeah how about or even you know talk about Can you be brave enough? I mean, so here's the thing, man, I would say is like, the more you impact this stuff, the more it should make you want to ask questions about the world we live in. Yeah. And about how it's here and why all this is possible. Like even just like, don't pass over like the world aesthetics, um, uh, being able to see, smell Mm -hmm. all your senses and, uh, visually take it in, imagine, and then be creative. Like, we just take that for granted. We don't act like, why is it that the world can be made much of? Why can we make, why is it in color? Mm -hmm. Why is it textured? Why does it smell? Why is it dangerous? Mm -hmm. Why is it beautiful? Uh, You know, why do I breathe it in? Why do trees? Like if you start asking all those questions, man, it leads you somewhere Mm -hmm. and um, it leads you. I mean, it is just, it begs the question. And I think we, you know, we, we've talked about this this week, even like different contexts, but like we're probably distracting ourselves from this fact Uh because this fact has implications that are bigger than us. Uh And, but there may be joy, peace and, um, life found in targeting towards this, Uh um, to be, to, to become, um, less cynical, to become Uh aware of your, your lot in life. And, um, to truly be alive and be creative. I mean, there might be, it's kind of like the uh, wizard of Oz, you know, you're, you're, you're down the road. Maybe, you know, maybe we're just a scarecrow. Um, Mm -hmm. but also maybe, maybe there's a, another direction that we're, we're, we're missing. We're missing it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't say it if I didn't think that we kind of were, that's Mm -hmm. my humble take on it. But, um, I, you know, a lot of what people have put their confidence in is falling apart. Yeah. Yeah. So, how we build is going to require imagination. Mm-hmm. But if you haven't actually been engaging, you're not fit to build. Um, and teardown alone does not prepare you to build. Yeah, Demo is important. Mm-hmm. But if all you are ever is a demoer, mm-hmm. a critiquer, um, at some point you're going to have to demo the things that you're taking for granted as the thing you're standing on. Yeah. And it's kind of like the person who sits on a branch and is sawing off the branch they're sitting on doesn't realize it. yeah, yeah, th- that's what you become. so it's it's vital to ha- to have a kind of a renewed imagination, mm-hmm. a renewed mind uh, kind of thing. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, uh, we have we have this
0: set of like architectural blocks in my house that kids play with. Um, and, you know, at a certain age, like every kid is just like, "I love knocking this thing down." build mm-hmm. this blocks and just yeah, just bust it to the ground. Um, and you know, there's, uh, there's people who just kind of, um, that that's just kind of the space they stay in.
1: Yeah. They never get out of that.
0: I just want to bust it up. Yeah. It's terrible. And it's like, well, I don't have a problem with you busting things up. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as we've had some sort of consideration of what that even means or why. So, as, you know, with my kids, what it looks like is there's a time where I have to pretty much sit there and say, um, Hey, we, we're not about. Busting things up, right. we're about building things, and then there are times I also have to explain to them why I took their tower down, um, and what that means. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "But, but I, I was building that." I was like, "But what you were building was incompatible with what you were imagining mm-hmm. and you were telling me about." Right these little pieces can't go on the bottom here. It's not going to hold that. Yeah. You got to do this. Like there's, there's structure because
1: you're required. what you're, you're appealing to is you have, there's things you need to know. Yeah. That's a ca- Like those are demands that you can't break the laws of physics. Those are, there's demands mm-hmm. that, that um, you commune and work with. Yep. But you don't, you don't command you don't have command over.
0: Nope. And the thing is, um, falling into, um, a field that is bigger than you thought it was before mm-hmm. is not a bad thing. Yeah.
1: Just means you're smaller.
0: Yeah. And, and that, you know, maybe that's the heart of the problem um, that it's just, I don't want to see myself shrink. Yeah. But when it comes down to, it, if you're choosing uh, art and design as a career, mm-hmm. or if you're choosing it as a, uh, you know, a hobby that's going to take up a, a substantial amount of your time, if that's your choice, you don't want it to be a small thing. And I think that you also don't want it to be something that goes nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a, there's a shelf life to that. Right. Like it, it is over pretty quick. If it's a small place, you're done pretty soon. Yeah. And if it has a shelf life, it, it expires. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And the last thing I want to do as a human is spend, uh, you know, 20, 25 years of education or time or effort moving to a place so that when I hit 40 or 45, I go, (laughs) I guess I got to figure something else out now. Yeah, I want to. I want to devote a good bit of time to. I'm something there, that. dude. I'm 45. <laughs> yeah, and and we're just starting. Uh, no, uh, uh, we're, you know yeah. the field's big enough.
1: Yeah, that we yeah, don't have yeah. to worry about. Yeah,
0: hanging it up. Yeah, in fact,
1: in fact, it in fact it you know uh, it it makes it necessary to think multigenerationally.
0: It does, uh, because it it is big enough to carry that
1: weight. Yeah, and I'm small enough that I have to think of it in those terms. Yep, I can't think of it as like, oh, I just get it all for myself. And all the spoils.
0: And it's fantastic to have a tool like emotion.
1: A little hubris. And uh, a
0: tool like imagination and a tool like uh, relationship mm-hmm. and a tool like knowledge.
1: Yeah. All of those things are there to mm-hmm. allow us to say, yeah, it doesn't have to exist In a body here. that has bones and a skull and yeah. and uh, holds your mind and, you know, somehow it works. Yeah. And we're terrified when it doesn't work because we assume inductively that it ought to. Yeah. And uh,
0: isn't that something? It is. It's amazing that you somehow like go unconscious for like eight hours a night and then wake up. Yeah, all by accident, <laughs> all random. <laughs> yeah, Uh with no <laughs> questions to ask, with
1: <clears throat> with no curiosity to be spurred on, no, with no yeah. imagination to be yeah. utilized. Here's the thing: if everything is random and accidental, this is so tangential. Then there's no reason to be curious. It's because this is a pointless thing for us to do. If it's just yeah. random, what are we wasting? Yeah, time why? For, yeah, right? yeah, why are yeah, we doing yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. Why? Why it's it's uh. That's too good. Oh, that's too good. All right, someday I'm just gonna go off the rails. I think. I don't know. Imagine that.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, hey, uh, by the way, I'm gonna say this is the most inflammatory thing I'm gonna say. I'm gonna do it. John Lennon's "Imagination" song sucks. Lacks imagination. That's Dude. the most unimaginative song ever, and you are being enthralled with the sentiment of the of yeah. his voice and the the melody. Yeah, I mean, just oh. like.
0: I could I could think of a you know the unwritten verse imagine empty bedrooms imagine yeah. there's no stuff imagine yeah. you just in there yeah naked in the buff naked in the buff <laughs> like that's it like look look at all the things imagine we've destroyed it all <laughs> we've burnt no it to the ground there's no
1: justice for violence <laughs> it doesn't matter what people do <laughs> there's no consequences <laughs> Nice, John Lennon. Appreciate you, bro. Yeah, I love mean, the Beatles. But good say, night. Huge Beatles fan, but man, John. I mean, you your daughter's great. name is Penny. It is. It's yeah. Penny Lane. Penny Lane. Yeah. I mean, like, it yeah. Is so you're 100. I'm it, not. I'm just like yeah, flagrantly this is saying not, this. Yeah, you love the Beatles. <laughs> so you know when we critique John Lennon's song, but um, he did a lot of good songs. He did a lot of good lyrics. Yeah, he did a lot of the yeah. uh, too. That one's just a he pooped the bed on that one. Yeah. Dude, we just lost everybody by saying that because people love that song. And I mean, I'm just saying, the, sen- see, the, the, the sentiment, thing. yeah. The
0: imagination that people have allows you to like that song. And not because really think about can, the lyrics. It can push you to a place, and it might be a good place. Yeah. You know, there's, right. a, there's a possible with your imagination. Exactly. That the the, the dearth and the, the dearth. shallowness yeah. of that song can can do something wonderful. And smote his
1: ruin <laughs> upon the mountainside. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man, yeah. So, uh, so I guess we're winding this down, huh?
1: Yeah, because we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about innovation. <laughs> that's fantastic, and that's gonna be a um, like an acute discussion that is built off of this one. Yeah, because uh, chances are you've heard that word thrown around a few times. Yeah, imagine and innovate creativity. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Mindplex. <laughs>
0: All right. And on that note, as always, we love y'all. You're a fantastic audience. Thanks for joining us, and we will catch you next time. Peace. You've been listening to Shaco Art Speak, a production of Shaco Art Space. We are an independent, nonprofit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at shacoartspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottom.